0: Our podcast, Sync, The Conversation, offers a digital window into the unique engagement experience that is the Sync community, quality networking, genuine relationship, and in-depth discussion. You'll hear directly from your peers, IT industry experts, leaders, and thinkers, and learn firsthand about crucial insights reimagining the future, new strategies informing data-driven risk, and key relationships expanding the bounds of what's possible. Welcome to The Conversation. Welcome to episode number 10 of Sync the Conversation, finally in the double digits. I'm your host, Sean Navarro, and I have with me a new co-host from the Sync team, Rivers Wright. Rivers, uh, excited to share the stage with you. How are you?
1: I'm great. I'm excited to share the stage with you, too. I'm looking forward to more episodes of Sync the Conversation, and I'm really looking forward to today's host as well.
0: Yeah, likewise. So today we'll be speaking with Daryl Bilbrey the founder and CEO of vantage to you Consulting. Um, Daryl not only spoke about the aging workforce in healthcare at our healthcare virtual forum this past September, but will we'll also be joining us in Scottsdale for the West IT and security leaders forum next month and speaking on burnout in IT. Uh, Daryl, first off, it's a pleasure speaking with you. How have you been?
2: Hi, I've been great. Um, it's been, it's uh, been a busy month. Uh, I'm actually starting to work on a uh, a book, uh, working title of Harnessing the Power of Kant. So, in addition to starting my business, I'm working on a, a short book um, on uh, on workforce development and you know how how you can motivate your staff using the power of Kant.
0: Wow! Congratulations. Yeah, busy's good. Well, you know, I look forward to seeing you here in a few weeks uh, in Scottsdale. And you know, just on that note, if you wouldn't mind giving us a, a bit of a primer uh, to your session in, in Scottsdale.
2: Yeah, so I want to talk a little bit about burnout. You know, kind of define what it is, why it's such a problem in IT, and um, you know, talk about who can get burnout. What are some of the symptoms? Maybe create a dialogue in the in a conversation in the room with with folks on. You know, how to monitor yourself, your team, uh, and, and I'm going to share some experiences that I went through because I, you know, I went through a period of burnout about 18 months ago, and it's a challenging process to get back, and I've learned a lot from that, and I've been pulling that in my uh, in my consulting and coaching practice.
0: Yeah, no, it, it is very real. So, a bit about your your past. So, you you worked not only for the Blue Cross Blue Shield of Alabama. Uh, you're the VP of Corporate Systems for Encompass Health. You know what made you pivot your career? Can you tell us a little bit why and how you you started Vintage? To you.
2: Yeah, so I had, uh, through the years uh, with my background with a master's in management, I had, you know, training in organizational development and organizational behavior. And I brought that to the way I did leadership in all those roles in the past. And I stumbled onto, um, the coaching with, with this uh gentleman that uh has has founded the Conscious Coaching Academy that I'm part of and it really resonated with me in that it's a way to take what I've been doing to my teams and expand it out to other people and add value and, and you know bring up their levels of performance. Um, you know, let them introduce that into their teams and get it out there. And it's it was just a the right opportunity. I was in the middle of burnout. Some things just aligned and it it, and it just felt right that it was time to shift and pivot to to this new challenge that I really am looking forward to helping more and more people with um, as they continue to grow themselves, grow their teams, and, in, and working with some uh, technology entrepreneurs that I am, you know, grow their own businesses. So it's uh, it's a really exciting period right now to be looking at all of those pieces for me.
1: Very cool. So I know you mentioned you were in the middle of burnout when you kind of saw this, but was coaching something you always wanted to do? Was it a a touchstone of something, or it just you wanted to pivot and you saw this opportunity and you took it?
2: Uh quite frankly, uh what I had seen from some coaches, I, I didn't really want to do coaching. I, but I but what I saw this pro this system, this methodology of, of coaching from Christian Simpson, I'll name his name, is it resonated with me. It's what I had been doing. You know. It's you ask questions, you get the people to come to their own conclusions, their own answers, because everybody has their own answers hidden inside of them. You just got to get to it. And the way you get there is by asking questions and, and listening. And that's the way I had been working with my teams. And this just resonated. And this was a way for me to take it to another level. So while, well, yes, it was uh, deep down, it turns out it was something I always wanted to do. I just didn't really understand what it was called. And we still are struggling with—is it really coaching? You know, what what is it? But it, it it is coaching. I mean, that's the the bottom line. Is it's coaching at its ultimate, which is getting people to look inside themselves and raise their own performance and and and, and improve themselves. Because you know, one of our philosophies is you know you can only grow your your business as far as you can grow yourself.
0: Yeah, you talk a lot about on your website uh, about discovering your hidden talents. So I guess you found
2: yours. I, yeah, I really do. I think this is what uh, what I was meant to do. Touching on that,
1: actually, what you said, Sean, about finding a hidden talent, is that maybe why you think someone would need a coach is to help uncover their true potential, their hidden talent? Because it looks like a coach kind of got you there. So would you, would you say that's why everyone would need a coach?
2: That is one of the reasons, you know, to, to discover those hidden talents, but also um, to push you out of the comfort zone. You know, what a coach really does is ask you the questions that you're either unable or unwilling to ask yourself and it, it causes you to dig inward to find those answers and what you sometimes find is not only those hidden talents but also some of the belief systems that you have that you need to challenge for yourself so you can you can get past it, you know get the I call him Dr. No off your shoulder my my mentor calls him Mr. Yeah but the, you know the little voice that's always telling you to stay in the comfort zone and not try new things.
1: Right. Very right. nice, nice. Uh, pivoting a little bit you served as a Navy officer, correct?
2: Uh, yes. Six years. Wow. Fantastic.
1: Do you think those core values and your service helped you kind of take the structure you have to approach your, your approach to coaching? Or did you learn a bit from your, from your coach or was it a combination of both maybe?
2: Uh, I think it's a combination of all the experiences I've had. You know, the Navy teaches you leadership, not management. Um, and when you're out on a ship like I was where, you know, you're more independent, you you have to get things done, you know, it it you you learn uh, very quickly because there's a lot of you got new talent coming in all the time that you don't have control over because they're their enlistments up, you know, so your teams are changing. And so you have to quickly build uh rapport with that new uh team and get that new person built into your team quickly. So I think the thing, the lessons that I learned there have carried through the rest of my career and how to do that, you know, quickly figure out who the key players are, how to get new people engaged and integrated and productive as quickly as possible. So I think it's a combination of all of those uh, experiences that I've had.
1: Very nice. That's very cool. Um, Can you expand on some of your leadership courses that you offer from that?
2: Yeah, so in addition to the coaching and everybody that I bring into coaching, I, if they haven't had a DISC profile done in the last three years, I do. I put them through a DISC assessment because uh, I am a certified consultant uh, through the John Maxwell Leadership. And then uh, additional courses that I can offer and and customize are things like a hiring workshop, communications workshop, but uh, which is based on some of my experiences and. Also, some of the John Maxwell book: Everyone communicates, few connect. Especially with technology folks, where they they have to uh, connect not just with each other, but with the business and project managers, and to build solutions. And then staff development workshops uh, geared towards uh, a, a team of managers. You know how to how to develop their staff, work on succession plans, uh, especially when it relates to IT. IT can be a bit more challenging in. You know how do you how do you balance your budget with getting primary and secondary on your key systems, those kind of things, and and looking at those. So those are three other things that I offer, and then I have partnerships with a couple of other coaches to do uh, 360 assessments and and full team assessments uh, for uh, leadership on teams.
0: So you know during during your presentation at the healthcare forum, um, you ran a few polls uh, and. One of them was regarding staff turnover. And as I would have imagined, most people did respond back saying that, you know, that is one of their main challenges in retaining talent, you know, consequently having to train new people into these roles. And you mentioned that, you know, in your 20 years in leadership, uh, your turnover rate was much lower, around like 5%. Do you you think this is a sign of the times? Or do you think, or, or, you know, what did you do differently to retain employees and make them feel valuable?
2: Uh, I think it was a combination of things. Now, we are in a small IT market here where I live in Birmingham, Um, but also setting the right culture and, and making sure that everybody's engaged with the team. You know, so when you move from position to position, if those teammates want to follow you to your new position, it probably means you're doing something right, in my opinion. And that's kind of the culture that we try to create, you know, is not, not just a family, but we're a collaborative group. We work. We work together to solve problems, and that uh, I think that makes people, you know, with that sense of purpose of why we're doing what we're doing. You know, you make sure they understand that, and but those factors all weigh into making them want to stay. Uh, you know, you just make it more comfortable for them to stay than to accept the challenge of going somewhere else.
0: Sure, and also offering you know some some positions of leadership, and and you know as you know, for some IT professionals looking into, you know, moving into that leadership position, it it requires a very different skill set than most are equipped with. So I know you you emphasize that your coaching, it is tailored to each one of the individuals, but could you give us just a playbook of like how you go about helping an executive, like sharpening those leadership skills?
2: Yeah. So there's a couple of things and, you know, and that was another point from the previous question I'm going to throw in as well is, You know, we had a development plan for everyone. Everyone in my, in the past, we always made sure everyone got some level of training or education or opportunity to grow themselves every year. And then when I, when I start doing my coaching, one of the things that starts off is there's a, there's a whole pre-coaching, you know, before our first session, there's a packet that I send out of a profile that they can complete has some questions to get them thinking about what that first session is. And then I have a very formal intake session where we lay out the ground rules. And then what we do is they bring, they set the agenda about what is it they want to tackle, what are the things that they're struggling with. Some of those may come out in the uh, intro session that we have, the intake session, but others are going to come up as we go along. And so there's a there's a form that they they bring every time, you know, we get an update from the prior sessions after the first one. But what is it they want to talk about today? Which one of their goals is that topic fit in with? Is that goal still valid for them? And what are the outcomes of that session? Those are the key components of the, uh, that we start with in every session. So they're driving what it is. And then from there, once, you know, they lay out the agenda, then I start with the questions, start understanding what it is that they're struggling with. You know, are they stuck? What's going on? Uh, and technology people, they have this thing. Sometimes they get into what I call the, into a loop where, you know, they think it's a binary solution that it has to be a yes or no solution. And so sometimes we talk through both sides and they suddenly see that there is lots of options that are in the middle as, as they start. And and the other piece that we'll do is I'll recap back. And sometimes them hearing what they just said strikes a chord because they didn't even realize, you know, when they get deep into the session, they don't even realize what they just said. I repeat it back and they go, Oh yeah. Okay. And then we, and we, and we drill in. And so it's, it's kind of like those adaptive tests you know their their responses to my question drive the next question There are no pre-planned questions going in it's sure. it, it's really free form but to get them thinking about the topic that they brought in
0: it's a lot more difficult to self-reflect right I figure out it's very emphasis. hard yeah
2: yeah you know part of what we have to do as a coach is create that um, that that environment of trust you know that it's confidential we're not going to talk about it outside of that you know those are those are the key fundamentals in, in helping build that rapport so they will dig inside.
1: Um, so you mentioned a little earlier kind of wanting to build an environment that people want to stay or should you go, they want to follow you because you built that, you just said also building that environment of trust. And I know leadership styles can vary. I've definitely had managers who are very hands-on and others weren't. But over these varying leadership styles, what can you say? Would be common traits amongst good leaders that being hands on or not they all kind of have in common
2: I think the to me and it and it aligns with some of the value core values that I have, but you know the things that I think make the best is they they have integrity they elicit trust from their employees, they have empathy towards the staff that they work with, empathy and compassion they kind of go hand in hand and then they then they can have a clarity of the purpose and what that clarity they're able to communicate that clarity to the team, you know, in the transparency. And I think those are some of the key components of the most successful leaders that they're going to have is because if you get those and build a high trust environment, the people are going to be much more willing to uh, go the extra mile and, and get tasks done, rally, you know, rally to support, solve whatever problems uh, get presented to
0: them. Yeah. Can't agree more. You know, um, I mentioned before, we're going to be in Scottsdale. It is a chance to really like dive deep into some of these leadership and technology topics and challenges that we're facing. Once that conference is over, though, it's, it's really easy to just fall back right into our normal day-to-day routines. So like, what are your suggestions to, to executives on continuing that professional development You know, in between the events that they attend?
2: Oh, it's it's funny you bring that question up. I just wrote an article to, um, or an email out to my subscribers. I have a list of subscribers that I send out email to, and it was on that very topic. It is reflecting to learn. And, you know, what I challenge them to do is when they go to a conference, because the average conference, when you go to it, if you don't force yourself to take action, you're going to be right where you're at 60 to 90 days afterwards. So what I Ask them to do going forward, you know, I challenge them to make down as immediately after each session, write the two or three, whatever came away of the, of the things that really struck them in that session, scribble them down and then spend as soon as possible after that, you know, either schedule a downtime to go do it or, you know, take a break and spend, you know, 15, 30 minutes reflecting on what those points are and and spell out an action that you want to take on that and put it on your calendar, put it on your to-do list for when you get back. So you've already got it spelled out what what it was that triggered you in that in that moment, in that session, and what action you want to take uh, to ensure that you implement that going forward and use that to build uh, going forward. So that's one of the things that I've challenged people, challenged my folks that go to conferences all the time when I, when I was in those leadership roles.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're throwing so much information all at once. It makes sense, like really to, to write these things down and then spend some time afterwards to, uh, to improve yourself. Um, well, help me out. <laughs> um, you know, something I struggled with uh, when we first moved into the virtual environment, you know, I didn't have my team in front of me. I, I wasn't able to just monitor what people were doing. Um, so what are your recommendations for those leading a team in a virtual environment?
2: Yeah, I'll tell you what we did when uh, you know we we sent our whole workforce home in a single day when the when the pandemic hit. And the immediate thing that my team and I, you know, my direct reports, the directors and managers who reported to me, the first thing we said was whatever communication pace we had prior to then, we were at least going to double it. Yeah. So if they had so if they had one team meeting a week, we went to two. If they had a, a sixty-minute meeting it went to 90 or, or, or 120 minutes. And then the other thing that we looked at with the remote workforce is our younger employees. And especially at the beginning of the pandemic, those who lived alone, the manager did a daily touch point with them. And then the other piece that we did, and, and I don't know if this is valid for all environments, but it, it really worked well for us in the technology environment. We had just implemented teams. So each of those teams to, to kind of help foster what I call the water cooler effect. They created a, a team channel that they all opened every morning. If they were scheduled to work, they were all on that team channel so they could bounce ideas back and forth quickly with each other. And that was just something that started for that team every morning. And people would be, come and go as they had ideas or needed to, and then it was captured so they could, they could go back and if they missed a, a segment, they could get it. So it was, Fundamentally, uh, over communicate. I think is the real message that I'm trying to convey.
0: Yeah, that's that's so interesting. I, you're you're spot on. I think that like it it really is difficult to create that sense of team in the virtual environment. So providing as many tools to do that, and um, especially for the, for the youth.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I fully fully on board with all of that. Um, So it sounds like you're very passionate about what you do work-wise. Can you tell us a little bit something beyond work? Because we can't just be work all the time, obviously. Can you tell us a little bit something you're passionate about about beyond work?
2: Well, um, yeah, there's a couple of causes that I – I mean, there's several. But the two that I'm most passionate about and raise funds for is uh, uh, I'm I'm a cyclist, so I – do the bike MS event every year. Uh, I just completed my 19th bike MS event, uh, for the Alabama chapter or wow. now the Gulf coast chapter. So I ended up riding almost a hundred miles, uh, over a two day weekend, um, uh, and raised, uh, right now the funds are still coming in, but I've raised over $1,300 again this year. So
0: oh, congratulations. Yeah.
2: And then, uh, the second one is, uh, leukemia and lymphoma society. I've been involved now for five years with, the. Uh, the Light the Night Walk uh, here in Birmingham. I've been on the executive committee, and served as the chair um, one year of the of the executive committee um, for the executive challenge, which is where we take a couple dozen executives from around town and we challenge each other on how much funds we can raise. And the thing I like about and why I'm so passionate about is uh, of the leukemia and lymphoma societies. I've learned that the research for leukemia and blood cancers has so many downstream effects for other cancers. They can get faster turns because blood research and blood, you know, can regrow much more quickly. So they can actually test things more quickly. But then an example, two years ago, they introduced 21 new drugs. And in that that time since then, they have also found use, I think it's now up to 17 of those they're looking and exploring for other types of cancers to see how effective they'd be against other non-blood cancers. You know, cancer is one of those things that, you know, everybody's trying to get their hands around and, you know, the, and they're doing great work. Um, and so it's a cause I believe in. Phenomenal.
1: Amazing. Um, we have one more last question for you. It's kind of a, it's a lighthearted question a little bit, um, if you don't mind. So everyone has a superpower, something they bring to the table that they think makes them unique to whatever, whatever industry they are in. What do you think your superpower is?
2: I think probably, and it's, it's sort of a combination, so it's not quite a cop-out, but it's, it's my creativity and problem solving. I think is is, you know, getting creative and how to solve problems is probably my major strength.
0: Awesome. Very cool. Well, Daryl, that's all we had for you. I don't want to give away too much about your session in Scottsdale. Um, but if for those executives on the West Coast, come join us in Scottsdale for the West IT and Security Leaders Forum. Listen to, to Daryl's session in, in person. That's November 13th through the 15th at, at the Talking Sticks Resort. Daryl, if you wouldn't mind just plugging your website one more
2: time. Yes, it's vantage2uconsulting-llc.com.
0: Okay, and we'll put it in the show notes.
2: And no spa- No spaces.
0: No spaces. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you.
2: Uh, Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Rivers.
0: Have a great day. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us for episode number 10 of Sync the Conversation. You can engage with Daryl at the West IT and Security Leaders Forum this November 13th through the 15th at the Talking Sticks Resort and Casino in Scottsdale. The conversation continues at our signature live events, which for November include executive dinners in Houston, Nashville, Paris, Orange County, Tampa, and Philadelphia. Visit SyncUSA.com, that's S-I-N-C-U-S-A.com for our full events calendar. And sc- subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And join us next time for Sync the Conversation.